0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here Monday through Friday as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's SOAP scripture. Download the current SOAP reading plan at fusionchurch.cc/soap. Good morning. Fusion Church 6am SOAP. How are you guys feeling today? Excited about this one. This morning we're in 2nd Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. 12 through 16, only a few verses. Um, there's a whole lot to unpack with these verses. Um, I am gonna be um gonna start with the beginning of chapter seven so we can get a little, little bit more background into these verses and how they all tie together. So um it's gonna be a good one so let's pray and then we're gonna jump right into it heavenly father lord we love you we just thank you as we are every day father that we have the opportunity the privilege to dig into your word lord god and by digging into your word father we can have a deeper understanding of who you are and who you've created us to be father so i pray you'll be with us during this time father i pray that it'll be Your words that are heard and not mine, that I will fade to the background. Lord, speak to us, Lord, reveal new things to us, Father, and just be with us during this time. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to wherever we're at, whether we're home, we're at work, we're in our car, we're listening to the podcast later, wherever we're at, Father, Lord, that you would just be with us, Father, and it would be you giving us revelation. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stretch. So, 2 Samuel. Chapter 7, beginning with verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house from my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men, but my mercy shall not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you, your throne shall be established forever. Amen. All right, short passage, but a whole lot's here to unpack. So we're going to move back to verse one um, of second Samuel chapter seven to get a little bit of background of where this was coming from. Um, verse one, you know, it talks about how the Lord had give had given David rest from his enemies, and and this leads us to believe that that this chapter actually happened after the wars and the conquests that are going to be described that are, are described in chapter eight, right? So it's almost like the two chapters were were flipped when they were put together, um, and but it was placed in this order to show its greater importance um in verse two he says i will dwell in a house of cedars and this is david speaking a cedar wood was especially valued and david his palace was a beautiful and expensive home Built from cedar. But he remembered that the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, that we knew, you know, contained the the Ten Commandments and the Rod of Aaron and all these things. Um, it still dwelt in a tent. It still dwelt, you know, you know, outside, you know, it didn't have a, a physical, like protective place for it to be. It was still in a tent, you know. So w- w- without saying the words, David told the prophet Nathan that he wanted to build a temple to replace the tabernacle right? Over 400 years before this, you know Israel was still in the wilderness. and God commanded Moses to, to build a tent of meeting and and we discussed this you know a while back when we were in the book of Exodus. Exodus 25 describes this and but God never asked for a permanent building to replace the tent. He didn't ask for it yeah, but now but but David wanted to do this for God. Right, so the the, te- the tabernacle was was perfectly suited to Israel in the wilderness because they were constantly on the move. Right, you know they were constantly moving around the wilderness. They had to pack up the the the, the tabernacle and so they can get to their their next location. But now Israel is securely in the land, and the Ark of the Covenant the Covenant was in Jerusalem. So David thought, you know, it would be better and more appropriate to build a temple to replace the tabernacle, you know? And so he goes to the prophet Nathan and he says what he wants to do. And Nathan is just like, yeah, go good. Do what your heart tells you to do, you know? And So David's heart was filled with, with what can I do for God? What can I do for him? He was so filled with gratitude and, 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 and con- concern for God's glory that he wanted to do something special for God. Right, he wanted to to bless God. All right, but verse four says that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, and Nathan was the prophet at this time. Samuel had since passed away. Nathan took over the office of of prophet, um, and so when David goes to Nathan and says, "Hey, I want to do this," Nathan was very. Uh, presumptuous about his response to david you know he 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 answered david's you know uh, his concern his his question you know david telling him what he wanted to do he 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 answered answered it using human judgment you know he answered it using common sense it's kind of like yeah yeah our god deserves a temple you know why not we have we we serve the only true living god he deserves to have a temple you know, not these little, these, these curtain tents. you know, we don't, he he deserves to be in, in a building. But he answered before he heard the word of the Lord. He answered before going before God and presenting this to God. You know, he answered before God told him what to do. So we should never test our desires, brothers and sisters, you know, even, even how, how, how great they are, how holy they are, you know, by our own will right the most excellent of work should should be done at the express command of god when god tells us what to do when god gives us a, a command right cuz then cuz then we'll be actually doing the most for his kingdom because it's within his will you know but if god's not in it you know we can never be blessed we're going to read here in a little bit that you know david and we know he he did not build the temple his son Solomon, ends up building the temple. But if David decides to say, you know what, Nathan, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to build the temple, right? I'm the king. I could do what I want. I'm going to build the temple. And if he had built the temple, the temple would have never been blessed because God would not have been in it. The temple would have just been another man-made structure right, within the city of Jerusalem. You know, so here you have to be obedient to the Lord, right? You may have a calling on your life, right? Some of you here, you you know, you may be called to be in ministry, to be pastors, to be preachers, whatever, whatever the case may be. But if you do it outside the will of God, if you do it within your timetable, when through your human reasoning, this is the best time I'm going to do this, it's not going to be blessed because God is not in it. And then you're going to wonder, oh, God, I'm doing all these things. How come? How come it's not working out? Because I never sent you. So, so, um, verse five it says, "Would you build a house for me to dwell in?" Right? It's almost as you know. So, so God seemed honored, right? That David offered to build him a house, but but it's like God's saying, you know, you want to build something for me? You want to build a house for me? No one, no one's ever offered that before. And I never commanded anyone to do it. It's almost like what what God is saying. See, David wanted to do more than God commanded. And this is a, a, a wonderful place to be in your relationship with God. To have the desire to do more. You know, most of us are stuck thinking, how little can I do and still please God? What's the bare minimum I can do? And still please God. You know, sometimes, we sometimes, we never really want to do more than what God commands. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Though the Lord refused to David the realization of his wish, he did it in the most gracious manner. He did not put the idea away from him in anger or disdain, as though David had cherished an unworthy desire. But he honored his servant, even in the non-acceptance of his offer. He didn't completely shoot down David's idea. He didn't completely say like, nope, don't even think about it. We ain't doing this. You know, he kind of had a conversation with David, you know, and because he saw David's heart. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. You know, David's uh, heart was in the right place. Okay. He wasn't doing it out of selfish desires. David saw that what he had, he saw this lavish palace. You know, he saw all this stuff. And said, I'm not, how dare I live in a place like this while God's still living in a tent? So he had a desire to do more. So now David learns that God didn't want him to build a temple. But but David didn't respond by doing nothing. See, David could have been like, all right, fine. You want me to build a temple? I ain't going to do nothing and just, you know, just drop it. You know, Second uh, First Chronicles twenty nine verses two through nine tells us that David gathered the materials for the building of the temple, so that his son Solomon could build a glorious house for God. So he still David still made preparations for it, even though he wasn't going to be the one actively commanding the building of the temple. He still wanted to be prepared for when God made the move. Right? God has a calling on your life, and if you have received the word that you're supposed to do whatever it is for the kingdom of God, and then all you do is sit back and wait for it to happen. You cross your arms like, all right, when God calls me, I'm, I'm going to go, and you do nothing. You don't prepare You don't study, you know, if God's calling you to open a business, you don't, you you know, you don't take business classes or accounting classes. You know, if you're called to be in ministry, you don't, you know, dig deeper into the word, maybe get a degree, maybe take some kind of certifications or whatever. You do nothing to prepare for what God is going to do for you. So then when God calls you, you're still like, well, I don't know how to do this. You know, we still have to do our part, brothers and sisters. God is not a genie that's just going to, um, you know, snap his fingers on on a whim of ours. You know, he puts things in our heart and we have to do our part. Okay. I was called to be a pastor many, 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 many moons ago. I was called to be a pastor and I did nothing about it. Right. Because quite frankly, I just didn't want to. All right. Be transparent. But. It wasn't until I did what I was called to do, I started going to school. I went to school for ministry to be a pastor, right? So I could be prepared to do what I'm doing today, you know? And let me, let me show you how God works. I went to school. I got my education. So I felt prepared to do what I'm doing, but I still had to wait. Now I was prepared, but I had to wait. And it was almost exactly a year to the time when I got my degree that I was brought on staff for Fusion Church. And then I still wasn't a pastor. I still had to go through some testing and some trials and everything before, you know, the church gave me the hominis dominus. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Okay? David still had to prepare. He still had to prepare for for, for what he was supposed to do. So here in the next couple of verses, God reminds David of what He has done for him. You know, He says in verse eight, "I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be the ruler over my people." David took him from the pasture to the throne, right? And even then, he was called to be a, a king when he was a teenage boy. But he still had to go through many years, many years of preparation, right? before he could become the king. Verse nine, I have been with you wherever you have gone. God protected David from all his enemies. You know, he went through many battles, many wars, right? Many people tried to kill David and God protected him, right? And he says, I've made your name great. God made David's name great in all the earth, right? If you go to Israel, they still talk about King David. David as their first king, right? They don't even talk about Saul, right? It's like Saul was just that dude who kept the throne warm until David was ready. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that's kind of the mentality because he made his name great. And then God promises him two things. You know, he says, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. God's God promised David that that under his reign, he would establish a permanent and secure Israel. God promised this first because he knew that David, um, being a godly shepherd, was first concerned with the welfare of his people. David being a shepherd, when he was a shepherd, his concern was for his sheep. Right? Now, we're not going to go into all the the, the illustrations of, of what that means to be a shepherd. But since he had that background, and now he was called to be the shepherd of the children of Israel, his concern was for the people and then in verse 11 he says you know he will make a house for you right talking about solomon god promised david that that he would build him a house he would build david a house in a sense of of establishing a dynasty for the house of david so this and this was an enduring legacy for david long after his death see david david wanted to build god a temple and god's like thanks but no thanks God said, let me build you a house instead. This was a a greater promise than David's offer to God because David's house, David's dynasty would last longer and be more glorious than the temple that David wanted to build. The dynasty of David, the line of David, you know, and we know who comes at the end of the line of David, our savior, Jesus Christ. The temple only lasted for a few hundred years. David wanted to do this great thing, but what David wanted to do was not going to last. But what God wanted to do for David was going to last. Amen. That's a promise for somebody. If you are obedient to the calling of God, and you could do, you want and you can have that in your in your mind, and your heart, you want to do so many greater things. And God, He listens to our heart. He hears where we're coming from, right? And then he says, I receive that. I wanna up the ante. I wanna do something even greater. He he who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. God wants to do things that are greater than even what we can imagine, right? God put a vision for what is Fusion Church today. And do you think, you know, uh, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Steve, before him, you know, they fully imagined what is happening right now in South Jersey through Fusion Church. Do you think that in their minds they 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 were able to fully comprehend? You know, when when Pastor Brandon came over here from you know and 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 made Fusion Church and 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 changed things around and you know, yes, he was just being obedient, but God had so much more. So much more in store. And do you think what we're seeing now is it? You think God is done with us? Come on, brothers and sisters. This is nothing. This is nothing. Because there are so many more people who need to be reached for the kingdom of God. So many more people. Who are lost and hurting and searching, and God is going to use us. We will be the hands and feet, and we're going to do so much more. We're not stopping at Cumberland County, brothers and sisters. Ooh, I'm I'm, I'm getting fired up now, Doug. Come on, but this—we're not stopping, right? But listen, if we try doing things on our timetable, it's not going to work. We're going to fail before we even start. David had to listen to what God was telling him. God honored David and gave, and, and, and even though he only gave it to God, you know, with a sincere intention, David, he was sincere in his intention to build a temple. So God was going to give him so much more. There are some things that, that we want to give God, but we're preventing from giving God. And in this in these cases, uh, God receives The intention of our heart as the gift. Why do you want to do this? Where is it coming from? If your heart is is sincere, you know, even if God tells you no, He still receives the intention of your heart because it's coming from the right place. There are so many people doing so many great things, you know, and even if whatever whatever uh, uh, mission you're doing, whatever outreach you're doing, whatever ministry you're a part of, even if you only reach one, you may have had the intention, I want to reach, you know, X amount of people for the kingdom. And you're working at it. And even if you only reach one, God sees your heart. Because the Bible says that that the angels rejoice at just one. So God said no to David's offer because David was a man of war, right? And God wanted a man of peace to build his temple. First Chronicles 22, beginning of verse eight says, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. This explanation came to David years after he was told no about the temple. Right, so we can surmise that for many years David didn't know the exact reason why God didn't why God didn't want him to build the temple. But David was patient, and and probably said to himself, "God has His reasons. I don't understand it. Doesn't make sense to me, but it's okay because God has His reasons. God has His reasons for saying no, brothers and sisters. Right? Sometimes it's protect us." Sometimes we're not ready. Sometimes it's not for you, but it's for your children and your children's children, okay? That's just, that's not just a pretty song that we sing, you know? That is biblical. Sometimes the blessing, our preparation is going to be a blessing for our children, amen? Sometimes the, what we're doing now, the legacy that we are building now is for a dynasty later on because who knows what your children, your grandchildren, your great I, please I pray that we I, I pray that we're all up in heaven by then. You know what I'm saying? But if the human race is still here, it could be your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren who are they going to reach the, for the kingdom? What are they going to do? We are leaving a lasting legacy for our kids, brothers and sisters. David had to prepare. He had to prepare so that his son could build the temple. And that preparation was a lasting legacy. His line, his family, his dynasty kept, continued on until Jesus came until Jesus came. Imagine that David had no idea exactly what was going to happen. He didn't know the details. he didn't you know what I'm saying? he didn't know all that, but he was obedient and did what the Lord told him to do. and because of his obedience. We have our savior Jesus Christ, that is a lasting legacy. Now, verse 12. Ooh, I spent all this time, and now we're in the actual core verses that we're supposed to be talking about today. I will set up your seed after you. God specifically promised uh, a, a monarchy, right? A hereditary monarchy for the house of David. And it's important for God to repeat this promise to David, specifically because there had never been um, a king. In Israel succeeded by his son, you know, and, and because, you know, the line of Saul, it was just Saul. He had sons, he had Jonathan, and but that line was done. So now we're here for David and his sons, your sons are going to su- succeed you. And this great promise to David, you know, it only had a future fulfillment. David would, would only benefit in his day from this promise through faith. David was not going to see the temple being built. He wasn't going to see that. That was for his son to do. So he, through faith, you know, he had to to, to live on the promise of what God was telling him to do. The family of Saul, again, was, was totally extinct. But the family of David remained until Jesus came. There's a quote from Spurgeon, again, that says, The joy which filled David's bosom was a spirited one. Because he knew that Jesus would come of his race and that can, and that an everlasting kingdom would be set up in his person and in him should the Gentiles trust. God made promises. David wasn't going to see them all, but he had faith that they were going to happen. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name through David. Though David would, would not build a temple for God, David's descendants would. I will establish his throne of, uh, of his kingdom forever. The family of David did rule over Israel for more than four centuries. But his family was eventually removed from the kingship because of their evil actions, you know, following the bales and, and you know all the all the bad things that they were doing. However, out of the word says the stump of Jesse, Jesse was David's father. Out of the stump of Jesse, God raised up a new branch that would reign forever and ever because through Jesse, through David, Jesus Christ came, and he is still alive today brothers and sisters, and he is still our king, and he is reigning forever and ever and ever. So the promise to David that out of his line he would establish a king, that a kingdom that would reign forever and ever is true today. It is factual today. Verse 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him. The the, the descendants of David would enjoy a special relationship with God. And if he sinned, God wasn't going to reject him. He said God will chasten him without rejecting him. Chasten means uh, to subdue or to restrain. There would be some punishments, right? You mess up. You know, you ain't going to get off scot-free if you mess up. There are going to be some punishments, but I'm not going to reject you. Verse 16, your throne shall be established forever. God promised David that the reign of his dynasty would last forever. And all these promises they were partially filled in Solomon. Solomon ruled on David's throne. God's mercies never departed from Solomon, even though he sinned, even though he messed up during his reign. He still had God's mercy and and Solomon did build God a magnificent temple, but the prophets foretold of uh, even greater fulfillment of these promises. Jeremiah 23, starting with verse five, says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Last Thursday, um, we spoke on Isaiah 9. In verse six, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The line of David went on and we are the recipients of this promise tomorrow nick will talk about luke one and i'm just going to read it. i'm not going to get into it at all it says luke one verse 31 it says and behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. This promise in Luke says that the, his, that the son of Mary, David, would sit on the throne of David. Jesus would sit on the throne of David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, right? Not the house of, of Judah, not the house of Israel, because after Solomon, the kingdoms were, kings were split. No, was talking about he will rule over the house of Jacob, a unified Israel. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And brothers and sisters, we are of that promise. Through Jesus, we are part of that promise. God's promise of a house for David is completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus does reign and will reign. On David's throne forever. The Father's mercies never departed from Jesus, even when He was made sin for us, even when 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 Jesus took on our sin. The Lord never rejected Him. Yes, He had to go through the punishment, but He was never rejected by God, even though He was made sin for us. Jesus today. We read in Hebrews three is building the father a, a magnificent house. He's building the father, a magnificent house. And in the sense that, in this sense that, that we are God's temple. We are the church and God is continually working on us and building us and making us into, into the way he created us. We are the temple of the Holy spirit. We are the church today, brothers and sisters and if you allow the lord to work on you if you allow christ to get in there and dig in that's why things like freedom ministry is so important because we really start to dig out the stuff we're really starting to to try to 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 become that image of god that image that he has created us to be who he has designed us to be so if if You've never been through freedom ministry and gone through the 12 weeks of the conference. I'm telling you right now, you need to sign up next semester. And if you've been through freedom already, you may need to sign up for another freedom group and go through it again. You may need to lead a freedom group because when you lead, you're still going through it and you're still dealing with your stuff. But every single time we do this, we get out of rows and we get into circles and we get together with our brothers and sisters. It is us allowing the Holy Spirit, we're allowing Christ to dig in there and make us and form us into the church, form us into the temple of the Holy Spirit. David had to be obedient. And David had to be okay with the silence of God while God was still working. He had to be okay with not seeing the fulfillment of the promise, but trusting in God that the promise would be fulfilled through his son and then eventually his descendant, Jesus Christ. So you may be called to do something right now that doesn't make any sense, but it may not be for you. It may be for your children. It may be for your children's children. And we have to be okay with that promise because all of his promises are yes and amen. Every single one. Even if you don't see the yes, even if you don't experience the amen, it will come to pass because God cannot lie. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that your promises truly are yes and amen. And that is something we can stand on. That is that is concrete that we, that we can stand on. So, Father, we just praise you for what you're doing in our lives. Continue to reveal new things about this passage of Scripture to us, Lord. Be with my brothers and sisters as, as they go about their day, Father. Bless them, keep them, and guide them, Lord. And Father, we just we just continue to, to stand in awe of what you were doing in our lives. Father, we praise you for, for all of this. In your holy name, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Love you guys. I will see you again next week. God bless.